Uh, I had uh, indicated that uh, you could let me know what story you all wanted and nobody said anything, so you're stuck with my favorite story this morning. Uh, come on, Jake. I know you're not a kid anymore. Get up here. I need your smiling face closer. Come on. Come on, Jake. Come on. All right. Yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. That's closer. Ah, come on. <laughs> all right. You got to smile big for me, wherever you are. All right. All right. Okay, good, good. I, I need kids up here because they kind of free me to act like a kid, okay? Even though the sermon is directed more to your moms and dads than you guys, okay? All right. Well, the story I'm going to tell this morning is about a very, very famous prophet. But a prophet that most people don't even know about. A prophet who is actually named 61 times in the Bible. There are three chapters devoted to things that he did and things that he said. He appears in eight books of the Bible, five Old Testament books and three New Testament books. He's the only prophet to be mentioned by name in the book of Revelation. Both God and Jesus speak personally of this prophet, and he's the only prophet to predict the rising of a star that led the Magi to Bethlehem. He's famous in the Bible. He's also famous outside the Bible. Back in 1967, when I was in high school, archaeologists, you know what archaeologists are? You know? Okay. Well, you ever heard of, oh, what's his name? The famous one? Yeah, Indiana Jones. That's it. Indiana Jones. Yeah. An archaeologist is, is someone who, who digs in dirt and tries to find things that happened a long time ago. Well, archaeologists were digging uh, in the Holy Land, and they found evidence, physical evidence, of a prophet named in the Bible. The first biblical prophet to be found in an archaeological dig. They didn't find him, but they found his story. They were digging and they found a building that had been destroyed by an earthquake 700 years before Christ. And as they were going through the building, they found sheets of plaster had been written on. And they had broken the pieces, 119 pieces, had fallen on the ground. They pieced them all together, and the writing was in both black ink and red ink. And it was about a prophet that we read about in the Bible. A prophet who was famous in that area outside of God's people. And what's really interesting to me is all of his prophecies were written in red ink, kind of like a red-letter Bible. So he was held in very, very high regard, but he was also known as the cursing prophet. Now, that didn't mean he said bad words, okay? That meant he cast spells, and he cursed people, kind of like someone from, uh, you know, a Harry Potter uh, story might do. Oh, yeah, you know that one. Okay. 
Okay, all right. I thought you might know that one. All right, well, that's the prophet we're going to talk about this morning. And we meet him in the book of Numbers at a time when God's people, the children of Israel, had been wandering in the desert for 40 years. They had left Egypt. God was leading them to the promised land. They had just fought with two nations that said they couldn't go through their land. And, and the nations that said they couldn't go through, they just went around. But these two nations came out to fight against them. And so God gave them a victory over these nations. They destroyed them. And they decided just to make that part of the promised land. Now, they have, have conquered these nations up here. This is the Jordan River. There's a nation down south here called Moab. And they're, they're right here, a million people ready to cross the Jordan River right at Jericho. And the king of Moab was a guy named Balak. And Balak, he didn't know that God had told God's people to leave him alone. God had told Moses, don't take the land away from the Moabites. I've given that land to the ancestors or the the offspring of Lot. So he really wasn't in any danger at all, but he didn't know that. And he got scared. He heard stories about how the Israelites had destroyed these other nations, including a giant who was like 13, his bed was 13 feet long. Big dude, big dude. And he was scared spitless, King Balak was. He knew that there was no way he could fight against this horde of Israelites and win. And so he got the kings of the Midianites together with him. And they said, guys, we've got a problem. There's no way we're going to beat these people who come out of Egypt. And I'm scared. My army can't do it. Our combined armies can't do it. The only thing I know is we've got to find a way to curse them and make the gods mad at them. Because they believed in lots of gods. And they said, you know, there's a prophet that lives over by the river. And we, we think it was the Euphrates River up in, in Syria, about 400 miles away. Very, very famous. The one we read about on the wall that had fallen down. He said, let's, let's send some, some men there and, and take enough money that he can find a way to curse these people. Because if the gods curse him, then we can win. So they took off. They traveled to the home of Balaam. Balaam was that prophet. Now, Balaam was kind of like a magician. Balaam was a guy who, who tried to find out the future, a guy who tried to, to uh, cast spells on people. He, I, who knows how he tried to find out what the gods wanted him to say. He may have played with a Ouija board, if they had one. Uh, chances are really good he looked at animal livers. Ew, yeah. He looked at them and thought he saw messages in there. Well, when they knocked on his door, he saw all these important people from Moab. And he said, hey, guys, what's happening? They said, well... King Balak has sent us to you, and, and uh, we want you to come back with us to Moab and curse this, this horde of people. There's so many of them that, that if they come into our land, they'll lick up 
all the grass like, a, like oxen. There'll be nothing left, and, and we can't fight them off, so you need to come curse them for us. And Balaam goes, hmm, okay. He's thinking, oh, good chance to make some extra money here. He said, well, you guys stay here, and I'll, I'll go talk to the gods tonight and see what they say. So he goes inside his room, and he's probably playing with livers or Ouija boards or cards or tarots or something. And, and he's pretending to find messages. And sometimes demons talk like that. But in the midst of all that, God actually spoke to him. I think it freaked him out. Ben goes, whoa. And God says, uh, what's going on here? Who are those guys and what do they want? He says, uh, uh, well, they've come from, from Moab and, and uh, Balak wants me to come and, and curse these people out of Egypt. God said, do not go. Now, what did God say to him? Let's hear it. Do not go. Is that clear? You understand what that means? What does that mean? It means do not go, right? Okay. Not confusing. Very simple. Don't go. Because I've blessed them. You can't go. Man, the next morning, Balaam goes out and says, hey, guys, sorry, I cannot go. God actually spoke to me last night, and he said, do not go. I'm gone. Go. Bye. So they left. Went back to, to Balak and told him that Balaam wouldn't come. Balak says, man, he's my only chance. There's no way I can beat these guys without that curse from Balaam. He says, we've got to send more people there. You guys go back and, and, and take the Secretary of State with you. I don't remember what her name was. Uh, but, but, but take, <laughs> take her with you. And, and, and surely you guys can negotiate something, you know. You, you can get him to come. Promise him anything he wants. Anything he wants. If he'll just come and do what I want. Okay. They travel all the way back. Knock on Balaam's door. And Balaam says, whoa, you guys are back. I said, yep, yep, we've come back with a new offer. Balak says, if you'll come, you can have anything you want. The sky's the limit. Anything you want. He'll make you rich. Balaam's going, rich? How rich? Hmm. He says, well, wait a minute. What was it God said to him? What did God say? Do not go. Hmm. That was pretty clear, wasn't it? But Balaam goes, you know, if God says don't go, even if Balak offers me his palace full of silver and gold, I can't go. You know that, guys. Oh, yeah, we know that. Sure, sure, sure. But again, what did God told him? Do not go. Okay. But he said, you know, I need to talk to God again. Duh. He says, wait here until morning. Uh, maybe he's changed his mind. Balaam goes in, says, excuse me, wherever you are, God, can I go? God says, hey, I told you not to go. But I'm not going to force you. God's not going to make you do his will. Do you know that? He doesn't make you do it. He tells you what it is. He makes it very clear. But then he says, okay, do what you're going to do. Only one little warning here. When you go, and I know you're going to go, only say what I tell you to say. Bam goes, cool. 
He goes up the next morning. He's so excited. All he can think about is the silver and the gold and all the money. He's going to get everything he wants. And he says, let's go, guys. He saddles up his donkey. He gets a couple of his servants, and they head off to Moab. Well, as they're riding along, Balaam is dreaming of all the stuff he's going to buy. I mean, anything you all want, you know, he can afford now, or he thinks he can. Anything the world has to offer is going to be his. And he's, he's got his eyes closed, and he's just thinking, this is so cool. Man, I can't imagine how I'm going to spend all this stuff, man. And he's got his eyes closed. He doesn't see that out in the middle of the road is an angel standing there with a sword. Now, the donkey sees the angel. Now, this is no dumb donkey. No, no, no. If you were a donkey, would you just walk right smack dab into an angel holding a sword? No, no. Now, now, well, that donkey wasn't about to walk into that angel. So the donkey gets up close. Balaam doesn't see it. The donkey sees it. The donkey just goes around the angel. Now, when the donkey goes off the road, it kind of makes Balaam get shook up a little bit. He goes, whoa, 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 whoa. You dumb donkey. He took a stick and he beat the donkey. He says, get back on the road. Okay. They continue on a little further. They're going along, and again, Balaam starts dreaming about all the stuff he's going to get. Everything he could ever dream of is going to be his. His eyes are closed. They're going through a, a vineyard. A vineyard is where they have grapevines growing on both sides of the road. That's kind of narrow. And as they're going through there, guess who stands in the middle of the road? An angel. Holding what? A sword. Yeah. Uh-huh. The donkey sees it. Now, that's no dumb donkey. Okay? He's going, mm. And so what the donkey does, he just kind of squeezes around the angel. Well, now when he does it, he brushes poor old Balaam's foot on a grapevine. And Balaam goes, Whoa! He takes out his stick and he starts beating the donkey again. You stupid donkey! Get back on the road. They get back on the road. Who knows how long they're traveling. They get to a mountain pass. Just barely enough room to get through. And as they're going through the pass, Balaam again, he's dreaming about what? All of his stuff, all the riches, all this stuff. His eyes are closed. Right in the middle of the narrowest place of the pass. Guess who's there? Doing what? With a sword, yeah. What's the donkey to do? Stop! That's it! And that's exactly what that donkey did. He just stopped and sat down. Balaam goes, whoa! He started beating that donkey. And then the weirdest thing ever happened. Now, no, this is even weirder than that. The Bible says that God loosed the tongue of the donkey. Now, that doesn't mean his tongue just went, well... What it meant is God let the donkey talk. The donkey, here's Balaam beating on this donkey. The donkey turns around and says, hey man, why are you hitting me? Now, if your dog said something to you, what would you do? You'd freak out. You wouldn't just answer, would you? 
Yeah, you'd run out of the house, yeah. <laughs> freaky, freaky. Yeah, yeah. But, but Balaam, Balaam is so mad, guess what he starts doing? Talking to the donkey. He says, you're a stupid donkey, that's why I'm beating on you. If I had a sword in my hand, I'd kill you. The donkey says, hey, you've known me for years. Have I ever done anything like this before? Balaam says, no, but I'd kill you if I had a sword. And just then, God opened Balaam's eyes. And he looked up and he saw a sword. Only it wasn't a sword to kill the donkey with. Who's holding the sword? The angel. Balaam freaks out. Here's this angel holding the sword. And he's been beating this poor donkey that's been talking to him. And then the angel says, hey man, why you been hitting your donkey? Balaam's going crazy. He says, uh, 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 and, and the angel says, hey, three times your donkey saved your life. If he'd walked into me, I wouldn't hurt the donkey, but I would have killed you. Balaam goes, oh man, I've sinned. I've sinned. I'm sorry. I'm going home. I'll go home. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. I, I remember God said, don't go. I'm going home. Angel said, no, 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 no. Go ahead. You can go. Only remember, only say what God tells you to say. I bet the rest of the way his eyes were this big. You know, looking for angels around every corner. <laughs> he gets to Balak and Balak comes out and says, man, what took you so long? I promised you the world. I was going to give you everything you wanted. Why didn't he just come? He says, eh, it's been a little complicated, but I'm here now. And, uh, but I, I got to tell you, God said I can only say what he tells me to say, just, just so you know. And Balak says, oh, no problem. Let's, let's, let's have a party. They, they had a pig roast. They partied all night long. Balak and Balaam are feeling really good. At least Balak is. Balaam's a little worried. The next morning, King Balak tells Balaam, come on, let's, let's go up here on this, this hill where we worship Baal. That's one of those pagan gods. And from that hill, you'll be able to see these people that I want you to curse, or at least some of them. And so they climb up on the hill. They get up there, and Balak says, okay, curse them. Go zip, zap, whatever you do. Balaam goes, I think, I think maybe we better make a sacrifice to God first. That's a good thing to do. We'll, we'll do something that God wants so that maybe God will do what we want. You know, people think like that. And he said, let's build an altar. They built an altar. He says, get a, get a bull and we'll sacrifice it on the altar. They brought the bull over and then Balaam's going, maybe we need two altars. Build another one. Okay. They build another altar. Bring another bull. Balaam gets ready to say, no, 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 no. How about three? No, how about four? No, how about five? How about six? The perfect number is what? Seven. Let's make seven altars. That'll impress God. And seven bulls. They bring the bulls over and then... Balaam says, well, how about seven rams, too? Rams, that's like a big sheep with horns. He says, I want seven bulls, seven rams. Let's slaughter them all. Let's sacrifice them to God. 
And then God will go, hey, those are good people. Man, they go to church every Sunday. They got Sunday school pins. They do everything. You know, they clean the church. You know, they mow the grass. I'll give them whatever they want. At least that's what Balaam's thinking. Balak says, okay, curse them. Balaam says, well, I'll tell you what. Uh, you stay here buy these sacrifices, and, and I'm going to go up on the hill a little further, and I'll see what God has to say. Well, God put a word in his mouth. He came back after he had said to God, uh, you see, Balak over there, what a good king he is. He's doing all the right things. He's following all the rules. Well, sort of, kind of. He looks religious, looks holy. See that halo? Balaam comes back. He raises up his hands. And he says, well, Balak, you brought me here to curse the Israelites. But how can I curse someone that God has blessed? Man, I wish I was as blessed as they are. Bela goes, whoa, whoa, I brought you here to curse them. You're blessing them. No, 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 no. You got this wrong. Bela says, I told you I can only say what God puts in my mouth. Bela says, um, let's go somewhere else. They travel up to Mount Pisgah. Now, this is the mountain that just in a matter of months, Moses is going to die on it. And God is going to bury him there. It's a very famous mountain. And Balaam and Balak go up on this mountain. And, and they look down another bunch of the people. And, and Balak says, okay, curse them. And Balaam says, well, how about some altars first? How many altars do you think you make again? How many? Eight? <laughs> that would have been good. <laughs> seven. Seven. Seven more altars. Seven more bulls. Seven more rams. Make all the sacrifice. Then Balaam goes over. He says, I'll see what God has to say. Well, God put a word in his mouth. He came back. He stood there and said, you know, God doesn't lie. And he doesn't change his mind. If he said he's going to bless these people, he's going to bless them unless they do something really wrong. You know, and they haven't done anything wrong, so they're going to be blessed. Balak goes, no, 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 no. You got this all wrong. You got this all wrong. You're blessing these people. I, I paid you. I'm going to pay you. I promise you to pay. If you'll curse them, now you're blessing them. And Balaam says, I, I can't do anything else. All I can do is what God says. One more mountaintop. Another one. They go to another place where they worship Baal, the false god. Open plain down there. They can see another part of the people. Maybe there's a bad person in that bunch that he can curse, you know. He goes over. And this time, they make the altars, they make the sacrifices, but Balaam says, I don't really need to talk to God about this one. In fact, it says the Spirit of God came upon him. And he, he came back and he said, hey, you know, God has opened my eyes. God brought these people out of Egypt, and anyone who blesses them is going to be blessed, and anyone who curses them is going to be cursed, so I'm blessing them. Balaam smacks his hands together and he says, Go home! Balaam says, well, before I go, i got something to say. He stands up there and he says, God has given me a vision of the future. A star is going to rise. A scepter. Some think it's a comet. is going to rise in the sky. And a king is going to come who's going to defeat all of God's enemies. 
And then he goes on and he spells out some of the enemies that are going to be defeated. And he goes home. Now, you'd think that's the end of the story, but it's not. He got home and apparently he got thinking. Man, I blew it. I could be rich, man. I could have all the silver and gold that Moab and the kings of the Midianites had. I could have everything I ever dreamed of if I'd just done what he said. If I'd only cursed those people. And he thought and thought and thought and he had an idea. Hmm. Back he goes to Moab. And he says, Balak, I got a plan. Get the kings together. They got together and Balaam told them what to do. He said, get all the pretty girls in the land who worship the false gods. Get them to go into the camp of the Israelites. And men are stupid around pretty girls. Yeah, they are. And those girls are going to get those men to do bad things. Have them come and worship false gods and party with them and commit sin against God and each other. And the guys started doing it. God was angry. And a plague came upon them. And, and guys started dropping like flies. Because they were sitting with those women that Balaam had said, go in there and lure out God's people. Things just kept getting worse and worse and worse. Finally, one day, a guy named Zimri, he comes walking into the camp with a Midianite princess on his arm. Cosby was her name. He marches right up to the door of the tabernacle. And they start kissing and hugging and making who knows what. Moses is going, oh, what's going on here? Everybody's freaking out. And the son of the high priest, Phinehas, he said, we can't let this happen. He grabbed a spear and he went, stuck it right through both of them and killed them. And when that happened, everybody says, we're done. (laughs) The plague was stopped. Eventually, then, God said, okay, it's time to punish the Midianites for what they did. I want a thousand men from each tribe to go in there and wipe out the Midianites. They wiped them out. Wiped them out. But guess who else got wiped out? Balaam. Balaam got killed. He was killed by what? A sword. Just like the one he had seen. And the one he thought he was going to use on the donkey. He was executed because of what he did. Wow, what a story. What can we learn from that? Well, the first thing we can learn is if God says, don't do something, don't do it. Okay? Now, God's not going to make you obey him. You know, if he tells you not to do something and you go ahead and do it, he's not going to send down a lightning bolt and say, zip, you can't do it. He's not going to make a little wall that says, oh, you can't go there. Oh, you can't watch that. No. God's going to tell us what to do. 
But he gives us the freedom to disobey him. But the problem is, if we disobey God, what? We lose out on God's blessings. He can't bless us if we're sinning against him. And even if he's promised to bless us, his promises are dependent upon us doing what's right. It's, it's a contract between us and God. God says, I want to bless you, but I, I, I want to be your friend. If we do things that, that aren't things a friend of God should do, God has to walk away from us. No one can take away God's blessing. No one can, can, can force you to lose out on what God has offered. But you can walk away from God's blessing if you disobey Him. It's my prayer that we will learn from this story. And you know, I know we're going to be stubborn sometimes. There are going to be times when you know it's wrong and you go ahead and do it. But you know what? God loves you enough to send somebody into your life with a message to say, stop. It may not be a talking donkey. But it may be somebody you don't like. It may be somebody you don't think is very smart. Maybe somebody old. Who knows? But if God sends somebody into your life and they say, whoa, you're not doing what God said. Please, please listen to them. Don't be like Balaam. He wouldn't even listen to a donkey to talk to him. If God sends you a messenger to say, stop what you're doing, you know it's wrong, listen to them so God can bless you. He doesn't want to be mean to you. He wants to bless you. But he can't bless you if you don't obey him and stay his friend. Balaam lost everything. The world keeps telling us, oh, we'll give you this. We'll make you rich. Just, just, just turn your back on God a little bit. You know, just do this, do that. You know, Get your priorities changed and, and, and we'll give you everything you want. It doesn't work that way. It didn't work that way 23,000 years ago. It doesn't work that way today. The only way to get God's blessing is to trust Him and obey Him. That's it. Again, not because He's mean, but because He loves you. He wants to bless you. He says, please, trust me. When I say don't do something, don't do it. It'll mess up your life. And if you do something wrong, listen when I send people into your life to say, don't do that. Stop. Because if you, if, if you repent, if you come back, God will say, that's okay. I forgive you. That's the kind of God we've got. But you've got to trust Him. You've got to obey Him. This morning... I want everyone to think about that. How do we express our faith in God? How do we show Him we trust Him and obey Him? Well, I think we're going to see a very beautiful picture of that this morning. Because I happen to know someone is going to tell us that they want to trust Him and obey Him this morning. Let's stand and sing. Trust and obey. You kids, you can head